I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're gonna enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Uh, what was even scarier is that nearly 20% of reps actually don't even have a quota. Okay, so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of people out there that really aren't running their business with, you know, particularly data-driven. Uh, we also saw a lot of headwinds, so uh, less than 15% of uh, uh, win rates dropped by 15%. Um, average deal values uh, went down by a third, and sales cycles were um, continued to increase uh, to, to buy an extra 30%. So um, when we look at the data in a bit more detail, rather than focusing on the ones that didn't achieve, what I wanted to do is bring to the table today some of the insights of what the, the, the high-performing sales teams were actually doing. Um, the, the, probably one of the key, the key trends we're seeing is that those, uh, certainly in B2B, relationships drive revenue. So understanding what relationships you have and, and, tr- and, and really double-downing and making sure that those relationships are strong is vital, not just in winning new business, but also retaining and upselling to existing customers. Uh, we also saw that um, uh, you can double uh, uh, your win rates with uh, better sales methodologies. So introducing a medpick or a medic or a, a band type uh, uh, process to do your qualification and really making sure it's being used correctly. It's not just a box ticking exercise. You're really working out whether you should continue to invest in the sales process to move forward or not, um, rather than just you know, ticking a set of boxes. Um, so these are the seven steps we set out to, uh, that we, we saw in the data, uh, in the information that we were processing uh, to build this high-performing sales team. Um, uh, it starts, I'm going to take you through all seven. So uh, the first one is uh, probably the least sexy, but one of the most important is this idea of building uh, data, uh, having good quality, uh, consistent uh, data in your CRM. Okay? So, um, you, if, you're, if in 2023 you're still relying on humans to log their activity, create contacts, or keep them up to date, it's time to rethink. Um, we can see that the CRM itself is missing all sorts of interesting data. So we have been doing this now for a decade, and we've never found a company with more than 70% of their active relationships in CRM. And usually it's less than 50%. And so we need to stop relying on humans logging their, logging their activity and creating contacts. And by, doing, by taking that responsibility away from them, the CRM becomes a much more uh, um, complete and accurate place to spend time. So uh, automating the logging of activity, creating contacts, doing all that on their behalf, making sure that it becomes a system of record that includes all the data that you need is key. Um, and for what it's worth, we have an engine that can, you can turn on and it'll solve all that in seven days. Um, we also know that, it's, that uh, uh, of the records, we see a lot of companies still talking about the value of having a large database. But then when we analyze the data, we can see that there really is no relationship with 98% of the contacts they've registered in the CRM. So there is no relationship there. They shouldn't be in the CRM. You shouldn't be focusing on, on how big the database is, but about maintaining the relationships you have. 
And then we see that um, the, we, we can take away all this busy work, um, the, all these distractions for the sales team by giving, taking away all that admin burden away from them and solving the data issues. So once we've got a process in place that's managing the data on their behalf, the next big challenge is about the understanding what, relation, what the impact of relationships are on revenue. And this is one of the single biggest things you can do is drive activity and relationship strength. So because we, uh, the, the nature of what we do is we score every relationship a business has out of 100. And it's not unusual to end a sales process with an engagement score of between 60 and 80, a good level of engagement. Okay? What we can see here is that you can 3x your win rates by increasing the engagement from good to great. Okay? It's, uh, and so when you've got late-stage, multi-threaded deals, let's get the sales team engaging, you know, push, leaning in. And if the C-suite can help, you can have a big impact on the win rates. Uh, so engagement is, um, uh, so we take a feed of your call records, your email traffic, your calendar events, your CRM, and, we, and, and things like um, inbound is worth a lot more than outbound. The velocity of engagement, so the, the number of activities going back and forth, um, and, um, and, and, the, and the strength and momentum of engagement. So, um, uh, we, yeah, so we're able to tell you, and, and what we do is when we onboard a customer, we'll go th back over the last four quarters and find all the momentum that you had on deals that you closed in the past to really understand how much engagement you had so that you can start to build a benchmark. We can also see it has a big impact on sales cycle as well. It reduces sales cycle. If you've got good high levels of engagement, you can reduce the time it takes to close a deal. We also know that engaging with the right people at the right time is key. So this historical analysis we do when we onboard a customer will show you what the optimal sales cycle actually looks like. Because it's not always about engaging with the economic buyer in stage one of the sales process. More often than not, there's, there's a lot of value in getting um, momentum with a key stakeholder, uh, a key influencer to get those deals over the line. Um, so really understanding that the impact of having getting the right engagement with the right stakeholders at the right time, um, you can really boost uh, the, the speed in which a deal is closed by you know, 170%. Then it's all about helping reps with, this, with, with a, much more, um, uh, a much more structured and data-driven approach to the way that they review their pipeline. So what we're looking at here is, is, um, is a dashboard we use, uh, we have within the product. It's actually inside, in this case, inside Salesforce or inside HubSpot. And what we can see instantly is um, the impact of using a, a qualification metric on revenue is, is 3x. Okay, so we want to see them using this qualification metric. Uh, we, we bring it up here as part of the review process. Um, but the, if they're not filling that information in, then, they're not, uh, then, then, then we're not going to be able to capture it and we can't report on it. We can also see that um, it's the, um, well, I'll move on to the next slide and we can see what else we've, we've got here. So we can also see that the, there are, um, you need to identify the factors that are helping you close more deals. And that, that again, you've got the data. It all sits within your business. It's just in the wrong place. Okay, so it might be sitting in the mailboxes, the calendars, the CRM, but what we need to do is bring it together and make it visual, right? So how many stakeholders should you be engaging with in the different types of sales cycles that you're running? Okay, and, and knowing that means that when the salesperson tells you how great they're doing and leave me alone, the deal will definitely happen, you're able to say to them, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased you're doing well, but look, if we have one more stakeholder involved, we could double our win rates. Or if the engagement with the CFO was gone from 27 to 53, we could reduce the sales cycle by 30 days. So knowing the data so you can use it to drive the activities that you want is absolutely vital. 
But there are other data points you should be considering as well. Different businesses work in different ways, but understanding the impact of intent, impact of product usage, for example, on renewals, or even if you've got a free trial, is, is really key. So trying to understand the signals that drive revenue is, is, is vital. So as part of the quarterly insight reports we deliver our customers, we also give them a breakdown of, uh, of every rep within the business. We'll, we'll give you a kind of a traffic light signal on how they're pacing. So understanding how much, how much coverage every rep needs to hit quota, and is that pacing upwards or downwards quarter on quarter? Understanding the DNA of the deals really, really gives you the data you need to be able to have proper reviews of which reps should you be keeping, promoting, and which ones aren't, aren't working out. If without the data, it's all gut feel. And a good example of that is here. So what you can see is two different deals that are um, uh, that, that look identical on the outside, okay? But when we start to dive into the deals, we find they're not identical at all. What we find is that actually uh, one deal has only had one activity in the last seven days, while the others had six. One deal um, has the, uh, the opportunity amounts decreased, and one's increased. So understanding the granular detail behind every deal and having it in a simple, easy-to-use dashboard in the CRM means that you're able to see very quickly the deals at risk. Because from the analysis we've done, only 30% of the opportunities opened close one. And the deals that close lost spend twice as long in pipe as deals that close one. Now, how expensive is that? How much inefficiency is that in the sales process? So if we can reduce the time spent on deals that aren't going to close, we can have a material impact on the productivity of the sales team. So when you get to your pipeline reviews, these are the seven questions you should be asking. And you should be able to do this from a single dashboard inside your CRM. Okay? And if you're not using something like this and you're relying on spreadsheets, it's time to step up to, to this type of platform. Um, really getting everything in one place, having a consistent way to digest everything. It, consistency is key if you want to run experiments and start to make improvements. Because small incremental improvements lead to exponential results. Happy to share the deck afterwards if anyone wants to connect with me. Um, and then finally, aligning the teams to this data-driven forecasting approach. Okay, what we want to do is have, make it super easy for the individual contributors to update their forecast in real time, anytime. Not once a week as a, you know, as, as a task they have to do before they leave, leave for work on a Friday afternoon. And we want it to be consistent and easy for them to digest. And it should be visual. You can see here, for example, a, a summary of what's happened this week. Where were we at the beginning of the week? What positive things happened? What negative things happened? All of that's easy to digest, and it makes it super easy for the team to, to submit their own forecast. And the data will, will tell you what we think the forecast will be, and then we can see how they deviate from that number. But once the rep's done it, we make it easy for the managers to also submit the, make the changes and submit their forecast up to the board, and then it goes to the senior management. So that's it. Those are the seven steps that I think you should be thinking about when you're trying to build this data-driven sales team. Um, Thank you very much for all of your time. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, happy to answer questions. Uh, you've got my email address there if you want to, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share the, uh, the deck. We've also got a presentation that uh, uh, you can download the, the, the report itself on the front page of our website, which is ebster.com. Any questions? Thank you very much. So everyone wants to win. So the, the sales guys, um, the sales guys want to, uh, will always be defensive in their one-to-ones, right? And you end up with this combative experience where the sales guys are telling you how great they're doing and the managers are telling you that they don't think the deals are, gonna, are good enough to complete. 
What we need to do is move away from that into a much more coaching experience, okay, where you're showing them graphically. Okay? Frankly, the sales guys and most of the sales managers aren't particularly strategic in their thinking. So what we need to do is make it simple, give them graphics and, and pictures to understand the influence of, the, of, different, uh, of different outcomes. So if we want them to engage with more stakeholders, rather than just having this debate of, oh, they all love me, I've spoken to everyone I need to, leave me alone, go, that's great, but look, if you have one more stakeholder involved, we can double our win rates. Understanding the, the impact of momentum and engagement. The, the, if, if the rep's telling you how great they're doing, but no one's actually spoken to anyone at the C-suite or hasn't actually engaged with the customer in the last 14 days, you know that that's not real. But you need to have the data at your fingertips to be able to have that collaborative conversation. And ultimately, the history that you've got in your business will give us the data we need to benchmark what good looks like. So, no, go on. It's a really good question. So um, the, the more complex the deal, the, the, more, um, the more stakeholders involved, the more momentum you need. Where this doesn't work is transaction-based businesses. Okay? So if you're, if you're a consumer company or you're, you know, you're selling sneakers, you, you, don't, you don't need to maintain relationships over time. Okay? Anything that's B2B, your, the, the DNA of the, of the SMB team is going to be different to the DNA of the enterprise team, but the data behind it is, still, is going to be just as valid. Okay? And so the, the, you may have different go-to-market strategies. So the, the quarterly insight reports we deliver, as well as the, the, the platform, is, will give you the DNA all the way down, not just to individual teams or products, but down to the individual contributors. So you can see how they're all pacing over time. Are they moving in the right direction? Or has something gone wrong where they're, they're trending in the wrong direction? Did you have a question? Yes. I think it's down to the qualification metrics. So are you qualifying the customer well enough? Are you asking which stakeholders need to be involved in different stages of the sales cycle? Are you being descriptive about what the journey to buy looks like? And, and so that they're able to give you visibility of who that needs to be involved in their business from their side. But also, sorry. Yeah. Um, because you're also friends with this boss now. And that is the technology bit, actually. They can automate, even while they're asleep or on 
Yeah, look, we're, we're, we're talking about businesses that are still in horse and cart. And, and, you know, we can talk about getting to a Formula One car, but what if we can get you from a horse and car into a family saloon first, right? And, and actually, the, 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 the impact you can have by being data-driven is, is huge. And these small incremental improvements as you go have exponential results. Sure. Well, I think I think there's different there's different things about multi-threading. So multi-threading top of the funnel has a different impact. But again, what I'd be interested to understand is that, you know how many close one deals have you done in the last year or two, for example. Okay, all right, so... Un right, and before that, maybe another, maybe another 30 or 40 deals last year? Okay. So let's say we can, we can analyse 50 deals that have closed one. There's probably another 150 that closed lost. Okay, well, that's good, right? And, you know, closing, you know, it's the second best outcome. Right. Yes. Yes. Understood. Well, um, the the DNA, the understanding how multi-threaded you need to be at different stages is key here. Okay. Understanding at, you know, at the top of the funnel is one thing, but you know, and knowing which entry point is giving you the best outcome is is important. So let's do the analysis on the 50 deals that have closed one and lost. Uh, and the 100 that have lost as well. So, um, and if there are, the data will tell us whether being too multi-threaded at the early stages is having a negative effect. But we can also have a look at the, the positive impact of being multi-threaded at stage two or three or four. When should the CFO get involved? Um, you know, is it at what stage gives you the optimal outcome and how much engagement do you need with the CFO? And who within your business should be engaging with the CFO at that stage? Which is having the best outcome? And the data you've got within your business, the analysis that we can do on not what they've chosen to log in CRM, but the, the actual activity that took place, the, the emails that took place, the calls that took place, the meetings that took place. By analysing that data, we can show you what good looked like for different types of deals and you can start to use that as a playbook and, and evolve it as you go. Very good. <laughs> then it was a worthwhile presentation, right? Thank you very much. <laughs>